Hey guys, Hope here, and welcome back to another episode of Hurricane Hope. This is another Song Stories episode, and uh, so far I've done The Departed and I've done Mansions. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit today, and I am going to give you guys some, uh, uh, I guess, info about an old uh, Hope Vista situation. (laughs) It's not a situation, it's an EP, it's a lost EP that nobody can find anywhere anymore. The only place I uploaded certain songs were on my Patreon. And the EP was released in 2013, and it was very simply called uh, (laughs) The EP. So it really is The Lost EP, and it was without a doubt the worst body of work I've ever been involved in. The worst, just, it was so bad that I had to scrape it clean or scrape the internet clean of it. This EP contained four songs and I recorded it while I was at school. Um, so I was in my, 11, 12, I was in my, yeah, I'm trying to think, junior year? Yeah, 2013 is when it was released. So yeah, I was in my junior year when, when this EP came out of college. And back then, uh, for for those who have actually heard this record, the songs on it were Down in Wonderland, uh, Take the Hit, Hearts of Darkness, and Stating the Facts. Four songs all written by me, and I recorded them at a studio nearby to my university. I don't want to say the name of the studio because I don't want to... I don't want to shit on the in-house producer's life, um, but it just wasn't a good record, and... Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about why, but those were the four songs. So the most, I guess, uh, known was probably, um, I would say Down in Wonderland, probably just because I actually played that song in my sets through 2015, early 2015. So I used that one for a while. The others I was like, eh. But I'll give you guys background of each song. If you've heard them, then I'm really sorry. (laughs) If you haven't, thank God. But yeah, this is about the lost EP. So that EP, I actually had run a Kickstarter for when I was in college because I didn't have money. I was in school. I was working a... a, Or actually, I don't even think I had my job yet at that point. I I was an ambassador at my university. So basically, I was like a tour guide to prospective students. I don't think I had my job yet at that point, but I was using the money for my job to pay for my phone bill, so I had absolutely no way to record, and what I'd been doing was recording songs on my iPhone as voice memos, so just acoustic voice memos, me, my guitar, my voice, that's it, and, um, you know, that was really just to get the ideas down, but that was my means of recording, and obviously the quality wasn't great. I had, what, like an iPhone uh, 4, something, something like that. So it worked for the time being, but it wasn't any, any way to release music, you know. I had previously released two singles on iTunes as Hope Vista in 2012 and 2013, or 2011 and 2012, Take the Hit and a song called Finger Without the Ring. Both songs I really loved. I just written them on my guitar as I did every, every one of my songs. And I actually was silly enough to, I'm not even going to say silly, I'm actually going to say bold enough daring enough to put those voice memos on iTunes and call them singles. I was using TuneCore for the first time. I was really excited. I was like, yeah, here's my songs. Everybody go listen to them. Obviously terrible quality, obviously zero production. They were just voice memo recordings. 
and I wanted to go into the studio and actually record music. I really wanted the chance to, you know, bring some of the ideas to to life in full because, you know, voice memos are voice memos. They're just to get down the idea so you don't forget anything, hear the song in full, hear the potential for production. At this time, I had zero experience in, in music production. I had never been in a mus- uh, recording studio. I just knew that obviously acoustic tracks were not what I wanted to be doing. I was not a singer-songwriter. When I played shows locally in New Jersey at places like The Stone Pony, The Saint, Brighton Bar, I was being labeled as a singer-songwriter only because, you know, I was going on stage with an acoustic guitar and just me and singing. But the songs were were rock songs. I would say that they were more probably pop rock songs, um, and they really needed to have full instrumentation behind them, harmonies, production you know, different elements to really get the message across of who Hope Vista is, because I, I was not a singer-songwriter. I wanted to be very energetic on stage and not be uh, sequestered in one place with my guitar. That was not who I was at all, and I was also just not good at playing guitar. So I went to the studio, and I found I found the studio just by literally searching on Google. I didn't have any recommendations. I didn't know anybody. I just looked around a recording studio closest to me and I picked the one that was closest, (laughs) like a, like a unknowledgeable dumbass. And I said, Hey, I would really like to record an EP of four songs. How much would you charge? Da, 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 da. And the rate was, I'm pretty sure, uh, $250 a song. And I said, Oh, I don't have that. So how am I going to pay for it? And I heard about crowdsourcing, which I'm really not for. Um, but certain times have called for it. But back then, Kickstarter was really like the big thing to do. So I made a Kickstarter and I was like, I'm Hope Vista. I've been recording on my iPhone for years. Now it's time to take it to the next level with top-notch producers. Meanwhile, at this studio in particular, I was just using the in-house. So it really wasn't even a producer. It was just the engineer. Big difference between engineer and producer, which I didn't know yet. This EP and this era of the EP really signified, you know, dipping my toes in the water, but it also showed just how much I didn't know. And I was just very overzealous and I was really excited and just wanted to record music. So I had hundreds of songs. I did this Kickstarter. I selected four songs that I thought would go well together. And those were, like I said, Down in Wonderland, Take the Hit, um, Hearts of Darkness, and Stating the Facts. Hearts of Darkness, I had already kind of put up online on SoundCloud. I put up the voice memo. Same with Take the Hit. Both of those voice memos were up online. You know, one was to purchase and one was, you know, they were both obviously on SoundCloud SoundCloud for free because why the hell would anyone purchase low quality (laughs) tracks like that? But Hearts of Darkness was a song that I wrote about a student that had gotten um, that had gotten killed on campus. It was actually right off campus from a university had got hit. It was a hit and run. Um, and a drunk driver hit and killed him outside of his fraternity house. I wrote Hearts of Darkness about the dangers of drunk driving, and I actually did a lot of promotion to push that message in local press, and I got in touch with the, the student's mom, and her and I, you know, we chatted a lot about the dangers of drunk driving and her son, and it was a really... Uh, it, it was such a it, it didn't the, the song didn't matter what mattered to me was so many people that I knew on campus were getting into cars driving home from parties and and ultimately being you know they were wasted I wanted to do 
what I, whatever I felt I could to bring awareness to that particular issue. And again, this was, this was in, in 2013, I'm pretty sure. So it was a long time ago, but it was something that I felt was important to add into this, this EP because at the time I was looking to also do some work with, uh, with Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving. So it was really the first kind of like charity single that I worked on, but again, it, it was really just a song that I felt was important for my peers to listen to, and that's why I chose to include it on the EP. So there was that one, and then I wanted a, you know, a higher quality version of that. And then there was Take the Hit. Take the Hit was one of the strongest songs I'd ever written. It was one of the most in-depth, detailed, uh, heart-wrenching songs I'd ever written, one that really stuck with me for a long time. Take the Hit was about, um, if any have you read my memoir or even my autobiography, you'll know somewhat about Tim. And Tim was a, a older guy that I got into, I got sucked into an online, uh, manipulative online relationship with a predator when I was in high school. And Take the Hit was about me finding out that I was not the only girl that he was doing this to. So Take the Hit was very dark. At that time, I was really used to Take the Hit being an acoustic song. Because again, I wrote it with just acoustic guitar, my voice sitting on my bedroom floor with a pen and paper, and scribbling out everything that I felt about that particular situation. So I wanted to make that 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 feeling of anger match what uh, what I wanted the song to sound like. You know, I really wanted it to be a heavier rock song, you know, very rock rock pop kind of kind of thing. And acoustic wasn't cutting it, so that's why that one was selected. And then there was Down in Wonderland, which I felt was just kind of quirky, cool, had the potential to be a, a, a cool, upbeat, you know, up-tempo, uh, you know, just jam. I don't know. I, I, I just liked the song. There was really no really no reason why I particularly chose that song. I just liked it and thought it could be translated well with full instrumentation. Last one was Stating the Facts. Stating the Facts, I wanted to be an acoustic stripped-down track um, because it was about depression and how um, depression isn't linear and how menial, simple tasks when, uh, when you're experiencing depression uh, become the most difficult tasks to complete. So that was meant to be stripped back. Those were the four tracks. And I, uh, thankfully, my, my Kickstarter was, was fulfilled and, and funded, which was really incredible because I wasn't expecting it, I wasn't expecting it to be. I wasn't expecting people to, to just give me $1,000 to make a record. I was really shocked. And I went right to the studio as soon as I was able to. And that process was, oh God, it was so confusing because I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't have a manager, didn't have anybody to guide me, and the engineer kind of just did what I told him to. So I didn't know how to write drums. I didn't know how to write bass parts. I had no clue about, you know, synth production or, you know, harmonies I could do, whatever. And I had ideas, but I didn't know how to talk to this guy and be like, hey, this is what I want. This is what I want. Because, like I said, he was an engineer. He wasn't a producer. So his job was to just really push the buttons, do what I told him, uh, you know, clean it up, and then send me the files. So while he did mix, mix, the mixes were terrible, he did send over masters, the files ended up being absolute shit. And I had no money to print copies, thank God, because no one would have bought those physical copies. But I did choose to release the EP. I did not want to. I felt like I had to because of my Kickstarter obligation, which was people fund your EP and then then you release it, you know? So I felt an obligation to release that record. I was kind of embarrassed by it. 
my voice sounded absolutely terrible. I, you know, there was no vocal editing at all, which you should not rely on. But I also, I wasn't a strong vocalist back then. I didn't really have a lot of experience. Like I said, never been in the studio before. I didn't really know what I was doing. In the process of being in the studio, it was kind of weird because the engineer had me lay down the acoustic guitar first. And I didn't know how to say, hey, you know, these are... My mic just fell over. I'm sorry. And I have to itch my head. But I didn't know how to tell him, like, these are not acoustic tracks. This is just... I wrote the track and I want to build on them and I want to, you know, build them up and make them really powerful and feisty and fun and energetic. But he had me sit down at the mic and record all the acoustic guitar first. And I guess to say that that was probably just to create like a skeleton. But I am automatically knew that something was was super off. And again, I was at the studio by myself. I wasn't with anybody. I didn't have any connections yet. Um, you know, I didn't have a manager. I didn't know anybody in the industry. I was just kind of going on a whim and, and making things happen for myself, which was cool. But again, it didn't mean that that... Uh, my lack of experience didn't mean that the best product was going to come out. I'd been playing shows locally in Jersey and really just wanted tracks to show people that I'm not a singer-songwriter. I can do more than just stand there and play my songs acoustically, you know? So it was a stepping stone, but everything first was recorded acoustic, and then I did the vocals, and then he started adding, you know, uh, program drums and other guitar parts and like I said, I'm not a guitar player first. I'm a guitar player last. I am very basic with guitar. I can never play leads. I can never, you know, there are a lot of chords I can't even, can't even play. I'm very basic with guitar. I use it to write music. I don't use it to play, if that makes sense. I won't sit there and just play guitar. I'll sit there and write music with my guitar. So I played acoustic guitar on all of the songs on this record, and you can hear noticeably so many mistakes so many times that my pick hit the guitar and you hear a little click sound so many times that I'm not hitting the correct strings and I wanted to say hey you know I'm not a guitar player I'm a vocalist and I, I really kind of don't know what I'm doing so any guidance would be helpful but I was embarrassed I didn't want to seem like I didn't know what I was doing you know which in my opinion is a big mistake I should have said hey I really need some help don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me out? Because in actuality, that was this guy's job, you know, was to guide and to help. And, you know, it was his studio and he had a ton of the, be- the studio itself was absolutely beautiful, but there wasn't a lot of initiative and I should have brought in a producer, which again, I had no clue the differentiation between the two. So did all four songs and it started to sound a little funky. It started to sound a little strange. Take the hit sounded very weird and very off key. I wanted to start adding production elements. I knew there were certain songs where I wanted like, oh, you know, uh, maybe a clap pattern here, or maybe I could chant this in the background. I wanted to really bring some of those, those production ideas that I had to life. I didn't know they were production ideas at the time, but just there were things that I heard in my head. For example, uh, take the hit. Um, in the chorus, I was like, let's do some claps. How could you feel like you could get away with this? The melody, I'm a terrible vocalist. Um, and then there was a part in the chorus where I said, clap, ba, ba, ba. And it was three claps. And that was in the background. That was like a weird production idea that I had. But the problem was the production ideas that I had were being laid underneath acoustic guitar, programs, drums, and my vocals. And that was really it. So when you put it all together, 
it's just a mess. Nothing fits together. Nothing fits the vibe of the song. Nothing fits the lyrics, the anger, the, you know, the, the, the vision, anything. But I did go ahead and release this record. So playing live, I kept in uh, Down in Wonderland and Take the Hit for a while. The other two I didn't play live because they weren't I think I did actually do Hearts of Darkness at one point, but I don't remember. And stating the facts way before I recorded it, because it was it had been written for a long time. But the ones that I brought to life full band were uh, Down in Wonderland and Take the Hit. And that was when I started playing with a full band a couple years later. The problem was I didn't know how to translate them now from this. Here we have this horrible, horrible EP, right? Like, it's not produced. It's just an acoustic guitar, drums, unedited vocals, and a a few weird production ideas that I had that didn't make sense in context. So, it started to not be able to translate, and that's why, you know, those songs got cut really quickly because I was starting to do other stuff like Wild Girl, Dominance, uh, Two Daddy, those kinds of things. But Down in Wonderland was always really special to me, and I don't really know why. I just loved the concept of writing about Alice in Wonderland, even though it's a film that I don't like. I love the concept of Wonderland itself as its own entity. So I was writing very lyrically complex songs that, to be honest with you, if I look back at them, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying here. But in my head back then, I was just trying to write a bunch of metaphors, make people think, make people guess, solve the puzzles, you know? And I st- now I can't even solve my own puzzles. But Down in Wonderland was one of those songs. I don't really know what I was writing about. I was writing about um, a girl who's who was calling a guy and, like, he wouldn't answer. And uh, the cell phone service sucks. And, I, you know, looking at the lyrics, I'm like, what the fuck was I saying? But it was catchy. It was cool. It was different. It was it was a stepping stone to Wild Girl. And it was it was a learning experience, to say the least. So that record was very short-lived. The artwork was horrible. My aunt shot it, and it's me, black and white, and only my eyes are blue, and I'm covered in glitter. No text, just a close-up picture of my shoulders up, my face, hair blowing in the wind. It's absolutely awful. I have to see if I could find it and post it. But I always felt really bad for, you know, because of the Kickstarter thing. It was a really bad record, and back then, you know, when someone recorded music, like, you know, if someone from high school found out I recorded music after I graduated high school, like when I was in college, they think you're famous. You know, people see that you record music and they're like, oh my God, are you famous? So I, I was, I was really upset about the record because people that had always really picked on me about music saw that I was still making music post high school. And, you know, they would reach out to me about it. And I would say, they would be like, oh, I listened to your record. And I'd be like, oh my God, I wish you didn't (laughs) because it was so bad. But I had an obligation with Kickstarter and I wanted to make sure I held it up and showed appreciation for the people who helped me out. That was really important to me. And again, at this point, I was only uh, 19 years old when I was doing this. So this was a long time ago now at this point. And I really wanted to take a step up, didn't know how to, uh, tried to. And ultimately what I realized was I just needed to write new music and not try to recycle new thing or recycle old things. So I did some press for the record. It was my first try at ever doing press myself, which ultimately led to me realizing that I was pretty good at it. I reached out to like every local New Jersey newspaper, magazine, and then I started looking and researching for online blogs that, you know, wrote about music. And the way that I did that was I looked up artists that I liked, like Demi Lovato and, you know, Miley Cyrus and, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, whoever, Little Mix. Little Mix was new back then. 
and I looked for smaller blogs. I would type in like Little Mix and then their album name and I would look for smaller blogs that were reviewing their album. You know, not not big outlets like, you know, People or Rolling Stone or things like that, but there were always those smaller up-and-coming independent blogs that would review music and I emailed the ones that I could find that I thought, hey, maybe they would, you know, review me. So I would email them and be like, hey, I just came out with the record. It's called The EP, very original. I was wondering if you would be interested in taking a listen, if you like it, interviewing it. And I actually did get like, I probably got like, mm, like 10 articles about it, which back then was pretty good because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't send any social media links because I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah, it ended up, you know, I ended up getting some some really cool articles about it. One of them called me like a lounge singer, which kind of sucked, but <laughs> that was how I knew, okay, this record really sucks. I got to take it down. So it was very short-lived. Now it's lost. It, I only have the files on a hard drive and they're, or a flash drive. They're not coming out publicly ever again. But some of those songs, I mean, really all four of those songs are, are songs that I will forever you know, considered to be stepping stones to everything else. And that is that is really all I have about the lost EP titled The EP by Hope Vista in 2013. Yeah, that was that was a time. But <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed listening to this. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys.